a lot of times when you look into uh, even comedians and actors and a lot of people that are really revolutionary in what they do, uh, you'll find a dark, you know, secret in there that they're like trying to hide or trying to escape from so dark that their their uh willingness to try to get away from it is so strong that what they produce in front of the camera or in front of the microphone is entertaining and it's and it's got a lot of emotion to it so i think that that has a lot to do with it and and then you find out the truth and then you can look back like you say look back and go oh yeah Will you answer me this time? Yes, I think I've learned my lesson. But then why do I feel so blind? Is there something that I'm missing? A hidden treasure to be found? Is there a pill that I can swallow to pick me back up off this ground? This is the Why Music Podcast on the Why Milbank Podcast Network in Milbank, South Dakota. I'm Craig Weinberg, uh, and this is Hidden Treasure by Jeff Reed. from Myrtle Creek, Oregon, uh, Jeffy Reed is with us. How are you, man? I haven't seen you in a coon's age. <laughs> it's been quite a while, yeah. So um, we used to play together at church uh, and other things. 
uh, regularly. Yes, we did. And we um, trying to think here. When did I start running your front of house for facing the crowd? It had to be after I started going out there to the Garden Valley Church. Because I didn't know you before that. <laughs> That'll do it every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, would, would that have been before 2000? Oh, man. Time goes by so fast. Uh, probably, yeah. Because I started there uh 96. Right yeah, okay. It was right at... 2000 somewhere around there real close i would say um and you started playing i mean a kind of mediocre guitar player and <laughs> singer it's okay <laughs> um when did uh we'll get a little more into this in a little bit but when did you well when did you start playing music i mean what, what was that in your life when did that begin um i started playing uh my mom's always been a musician. She's a piano player. So uh, I'd watch her sit and play uh, old church songs. And and uh, she actually bought me um, piano lessons when I was probably seven. And uh, so that was my first instrument was the piano. And I start, started uh, learning that. I wasn't real serious about the lessons. Uh, well, I, I don't remember you being a piano player, Jeff. And I and I I gave up on it as soon as I bought my guitar. Because, <laughs> uh, it's it's nice no it's nice though knowing where everything is on the piano because I do use a lot of keys in my music mm -hmm. so so I'm not you know I would never try to impress anyone with my piano playing so <laughs> uh, yeah guitar became my passion <clears throat> and I got my first guitar when I was about nine years old and uh, Jeez, that's uh, a long time ago. Yeah, I was pretty dedicated to it from day one. Did you take lessons on the guitar, or did you just figure it out? I had three lessons <laughs> at, at Ricketts Music. <laughs> really? And, uh, yeah. I remember that place. But no. uh, the the guitar guy was trying to teach me how to play The Gambler by uh, Kenny Rogers. Mm -hmm. I just was not into country music, so... And uh, I said, I don't, really, I don't really want to learn how to play this song. And he was like, well, if you learn how to play this song, you'll, you'll know how to play songs that you probably like. You know, I didn't understand that then. I just wanted to play rock music. So mm -hmm. I kind of dropped out of that. What was your influence as a kid? Influences was classic rock. My dad was a big classic rock guy. And uh, he'd come home from work and turn off the TV and put a record on. So we were always being bombarded with the greats, you know, and uh, whenever we drove anywhere, it was always, you know, Rolling Stones and the Beatles and the <laughs> little, little River Band and, you know, all those really good music. So now thinking back on that, uh, your issues with The Gambler, <clears throat> has your uh, opinion changed of that style of country music over the years? Or do you still hate it? Oh, I like I like <laughs> I like music. I like good music when yeah. it's good. I like it. Uh, one of my favorite country western songs is that one um, about the guy that's not as old as, or he's not as young as he used to be, but he's as good once. 
as he ever was. You ever heard that one? No. <laughs> Wait, is that most of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if they're entertaining, I like them. Uh, and looking back on the dropping out of those lessons, I should have just sucked it up and did it, you know? Yeah. You know, we don't think like that when we're young. No, we're we're definitely stupid and selfish, that's for sure. Single-minded, perhaps. That guy could have probably taught me a lot of stuff, but I, I, I couldn't hear him. Totally, yeah. yeah. Uh, facing the crowd, where'd that start? So, uh, okay, we'll go back. <clears throat> you were the, the founder, frontman, singer, guitar player... Uh, for facing the crowd. Yes. When did that begin? That started. Uh, um, well, when I was 21, I uh, gave my life to God and I started going to church. So um, all the music that I made up till then, I didn't think could coexist with the new me. Oh. So I gave that all up, and uh, it wasn't long before I felt like. Um, my dream was still alive. I just needed to re rethink it. Mm-hmm. So it was after that. I was probably 24 or so, and I decided I was going to start a band. And uh, I started I started a band with uh, Paul Singleton was on the drums. I did uh, not know that, really? Paul was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> and uh, the fir- my first band was called For Christ's Sake. <laughs> <laughs> just skirting the edge right there <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was uh it, it would catch people's attention and how uh, long did that last quite a while in fact i think we held on to that um even facing the crowd our like uh our vision for our ministry was called fcs ministries hmm. yeah so we kind of held on to that for christ's sake for christ's sake ministries and then uh yeah i can't i you know it's weird uh in, in interviews i've had radio interviews on christian radio stations one facing the crowd was kind of doing stuff and uh they would always ask me where facing the crowd the name came from and i was always afraid to tell them because you know it's not a very i don't know they would always look at me like oh because uh, it was actually one of my favorite Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker songs. <laughs> it was called Face in the Crowd. Yeah. So that's where the, that's where I got the name. I thought it would be cool band name. So is any Face in the Crowd music out there on the interweb? Yeah, you can you can hear uh, all of it on uh, Reverb Nation. Okay. Look up Face in the Crowd. I think there's a couple of other Face in the, face in the Crowds out there, but the but it's, our stuff's pretty easy to find. Mm. Uh, Reverb Nation. When did that... Well, okay, so uh, Jeremy Plumley was your lead guitarist. Was he the first... Was he one of the originals with you? Or did he come later? He came a little later. Um, I had a whole other band. I, I had Paul... Paul didn't st- stick with it very long. He got bored with it and kind of dropped off. Coward. But then for a while, I had my my brother-in-law was in the band, and I had a, a bass player. His name was Jose. A drummer named Jim Lamphere. What? Um, Fluffy? 
Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew it was the drummer. I didn't know he played with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. He, in fact, uh, he was the reason that we kind of met Keddy. Really? With our drummer, because uh, he he wanted to play, like, Megadeth-type music. Oh, yeah. And he hated my music. <laughs> He was constantly playing under protest, you know. So he—he's the reason that I got into motorcycling, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's—he's he's a cool guy. I oh, like yeah. him. Uh, but he said that night we had one last show to do, and he said, "You know, after this show, I'm done. You guys need to find another drummer." So uh, it was the night of that show. We went to the music store to get um a smoke machine for the show and uh we went out there this would have been southbound met... sound at the time yeah yeah and we met Keddy. that's where he was working he said yeah that's tonight we mentioned it to somebody hey tonight's the last night of our drummer we need to find a new drummer he said well we got a new guy working in the back <laughs> playing drums so we met Keddy. And uh, he became our drummer like a couple days later. Um, Jason worked there at the time, correct? Yeah. And you and him were, you and he were, were did you grow up together? Is yeah. Right? From, uh, my, my parents moved out um, to a little community called Coon Hollow out there in, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> That's where Jason lived. And so I, I was introduced to that whole, there was actually like three guys that went to school. I went to school with probably my whole life, but I never even met them until I started going out there. And we had a one hour long bus ride after <laughs> school to wow. get home. So we had a lot of time to get to know each other. And, uh, yeah, when I decided to, uh, or he, he, he decided to become a guitar player and, uh, I was all, already knew quite a bit about it. So I taught him a lot of stuff that he knew. Um, but yeah, we started playing music together. That was great that he was interested in it because, uh, uh, before that I didn't have anybody to play music with. Hmm. And that was in high school or, or, or before was that middle school? That was seventh grade when we moved out there. <clears throat> we actually had an air band first. <laughs> oh, do band? tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember we were on our way home from school one day in this uh, Kenny Barnes. Kenny and Drew Barnes, they lived up at the end of the road. And Kenny Barnes stood up and said, who wants to be in an air band? Because out the fairgrounds, they had the air band competitions. Mm -hmm. yeah, you could win 100 bucks if you won. Wow. So, uh, yeah, we started an air band and we were doing, uh, Def Leppard's, uh, photograph was the song that we were doing <laughs> and we made fake guitars and all that kind of stuff. Did but you I win? got to know that we actually won, uh, when we went, but, uh, in fairness, uh, by that time, the popularity of the whole thing had worn <laughs> off and we were the only band that showed up. <laughs> well, you're it. Good job. 
<laughs> we won a hundred bucks. Went out for pizza. <laughs> wow. Well, good work. So when did uh, so you met Kitty? Uh, was it a a love at first sight moment, or was this a uh, we just need a filler? Uh, we went out. We went out for an audition because he had his drum set up at the Church of God of Prophecy out on Diamond Lake Boulevard, and uh, we went out there to let him audition because we just figured that'd be the easiest. And we all set up and, and we started playing. And the first thing I noticed about Keddy was if if you wanted like a reggae beat, if you said, hey, give me a reggae beat, he would play like the most perfect. He was like having basically a drum machine sitting there. <laughs> you could t- ask him to play any style of music. And he knew it. He, not only could he play it, but he could do it really well. Mm. And so he was the first drummer. It was, uh, what's the word? Uh, he was, uh, he was established as a drummer. He was, he, and he was formally trained, I guess. Really? And, uh, and he had all the chops, you know, like if you said, Hey, give me a drum roll. He could do one, you know, and I played with a lot of drummers. He's, Hey, give me a drum roll. And they go, no, do not have to give you a drum, you know, and and not to say that's not good drummers. Yeah, there's another there's another level of drumming that he that Kitty was well stepped mm-hmm. into, and uh, and so it it was a no brainer for me. I thought you're in. And was he was he uh, in this, on the same page? Yeah, he thought our music was a little too heavy. <laughs> well, yeah. knowing that church he's from, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It was funny because we went from Jim Lamphere, who thought our music was real wimpy. Right. And then Kitty thought we were, man, you guys are real heavy. Was, okay, this is this is a good change. So for, for those listening that don't know who Jim Lamphere is, if you can imagine uh, Rob Zombie, half the size, um, that's Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Just it's skinnier version of Rob Zombie. Now, that I mean, I it's been 20 years since I've seen him, but. Yeah, yeah, we. I worked at the mill he did at the time, and he was a big Harley guy, and he tried to yeah. get me. He's like, "Oh, you need to buy a Harley, buy a Sportster." I don't want a Sportster, so I looked at him, and then I went to a Honda. <laughs> but yeah, he was the guy. He's like, "You need to do this. It'd be awesome." Okay. Uh, what what am I gonna do? Never ridden in my life, but it was good. Right. I, I liked Jim. He was he was a guitar player too, wasn't he? Or was he just a drummer? I never saw him play the guitar. Okay. You never know. Then he probably wasn't. You would have had much more experience in that realm than me. So where did Jeremy Plumley come in? When when did he join the, the force? Jeremy was a friend of my cousins. Uh, I had a cousin, David, and he uh he he knew Jeremy and he knew that Jeremy was interested in playing guitar. And uh he kept telling Jeremy that, Hey, you need to meet my cousin. He's a guitar player. And so he kept bugging me about it too. And pretty soon I said, okay, fine. Let's go. Let's go meet Jeremy. <laughs> so we went over to Jeremy's house and he had a, a guitar and he, he was out there and he could play um, dust in the wind. Yep. He could play it very well. And I thought, man, this guy's good. Uh, 
And uh, so, you know, I was looking for to start a band. So I said, hey, do you want to wanna be my lead guitar player? So that's how that started. How old were you guys when you got that, like the, the core? Because when did Steve Danielle join as bass player? Was that much later or was that pretty close? That was pretty close at the same time. Uh, Steve was uh, either right before or right after Jeremy. Because hmm. uh, Steve uh, worked with me out of Sun Studs. We pulled uh, Veneer Green Chain. That's right. And he uh, he kept telling me that he used to play upright for his dad's bluegrass band. Oh, you know, I forgot his dad played. That's right. And I said, uh, so you know how to play the bass? And he goes, well, I could play the upright. <laughs> I said, you want to play the bass for my band? <laughs> for my band? And he's like, Sure, I'll give it a try, and uh, that that was uh, that was pretty awesome because he could play very well. Well, and when I met, well, see, I'm trying to think when I met him. Even um, he had an old Dean, I think, at the time, and yep. I I've never been a Dean fan in the guitar world, <clears throat> and I, I he had that for a few years, I think. So I I, I mean I know I I saw one of your. Uh, YouTube shows the other day and you guys were talking about when he got his Warwick. Um, yeah. And I, I think I remember that, but I'm trying to think how far before then was I uh, aware and involved with you guys. And I, man, my brain is so shot when it comes to that kind of memory. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Warwick was, was a transition in his bass playing. He really got good after that. Was it because he wanted to do it more? It was a better ma machine, or did it just actually sound better? I think it sounded better, and uh, and because of that, it made him want to try more stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was probably, his hand was probably a lot more comfortable on the neck. You know how that goes. Oh, yeah. And uh, and because of that, he just he just started ripping it up. It was really good. He did tend to wear it down near his ankles, too. Or his knees, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> totally, uh. Who's who's the bass player for uh corn? Yeah. Uh, very if much. You notice, if you notice watching him play on, on old videos and stuff, he'd hang it low down like that. Uh, but eventually throughout the gig, you would see him kind of transition. More upright. <laughs> like an upright, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> With his hand and like, well, that's that's what he's doing. Yeah. So Where when was from? um when did you guys play with the night? Was it the night light group? Um, oh man! Again, his name is just missing. But the the night light band, um, they had the the guy in armor, uh, and they would do yes, the yes, night light Yes, <laughs> I found a cassette of that uh, oh, several yeah. years ago. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> the memories were awesome. <laughs> who who did that? Uh, what was the name of the Steve Blum? Was yes. Steve? Yep. And didn't um, was Rick Kemp involved at that point with them? I think so. I think Rick was over there because he was the bass player. Yeah. And that was that was an awesome show. Was you at that show? I think uh, so. And then that was the, that was the biggest one they had. That was outside of the Nazarene Church, I believe, wasn't it? That's where Albertson sits now, right? Or right. Albertson's, yeah, the new one. Yeah. Oh man, those were the days. 
And then we yeah, toured with them. Didn't we like travel around the, the West Coast with that group? We went to prisons. Were, did you guys come for that too? Yeah, yeah. We went to the prisons. That was, Strange. I think we only a couple of times, but it, yeah, that was crazy. I remember having to go uh, through the gate in order to get our gear inside. They had to like open up all the speaker cabinets and stuff and look inside <laughs> yeah. and make, make sure we weren't smuggling anything in. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. And then you played uh, a few shows just locally. But then um, did you ever play the fairgrounds or was that just the Day for Grace series that happened? Yeah, we played the Day for Grace twice. Okay. Those were our only fairground shows. Hmm. So when those did you guys go ahead? Well, oh, those went really well too. Well, it's fun when you when you have a crowd that's coming, a bunch of crowd that's coming to see a bigger name. It's fun yeah. to get the. And I I remember that just mixing from the the engineer side of things, and that was really fun to do at a venue that big, that early on. It was really cool to to work that size of a show. It was fun. Yeah. Um, it's nice when you've got a crowd like that big, mm -hmm. I always figure you don't have, you know, a lot of people come to rock shows just to visit with their friends. So you, re you really only have a fraction of the audience anyways, but when the fraction of an audience is thousand people, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, then when yep. you end a song and there's a small roar mm -hmm. happens, so appreciation for your music and it's, and it feels good. So would you consider yourself starting at like you were a garage band? A garage band? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what we were. Is that dead nowadays? The concept of that? I don't think it's dead. I think it's out there. I think that the uh the industry is kind of focused on other things, but um I know my son, Josh, He's like 24, so um, he's always, "Hey, Dad, you gotta, you gotta hear this band," mm. you know, and he'll show me some band, and uh, you know, rock and roll is still alive; it's out there. Why does music matter so much? You know, I think music matters for a lot of reasons. I think music can change the mood in a room. I think that uh, music matters the most when it's associated with something that happened, mm. whether it's good or bad. I think that's why a lot of the music of the 60s has stuck, stuck around for so long is because there were some major events that causes that music to be forever precious so, so is it emotional then i think so i think it is i think music is emotion in fact a lot of people you know will say things like even in the studio go, okay let's do that again but this time with feeling right you know yeah. <laughs> you know we do want to feel it we want we want to feel the emotion and you take a band who has a singer that can't sing but he gets up there and he sings, but he just yells those lyrics with mm -hmm. so much emotion. It's still, you still want to hear it. You still want to listen to it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's a uh, definitely emotional. 
my oldest listens to the local radio station all the time. He's got like a an old school alarm clock that he has at his in his room. And that's his alarm and his clock. And it's tuned to the local station. And they play 70s and 80s music. And of course, I really could care less about most of that. But he now has, there's a lot of it that he, he knows. And so if it's not that genre, he thought, oh, it's, it's garbage music. I can't handle that. It's terrible. But so he's got that. Um, but it was interesting. We were in the car probably a month and a half ago. Um, and I went and picked him up from a youth event they were at and coming back. And I had put on one of the, I think the first Linkin Park album. And, you know, that's back in the, oh, geez, that have been the late 90s, early 2000s. And yeah. what I found fascinating is I knew every word still. Yeah. And I, and, and he's and the, sitting, you know, across the car. He's like, what is this garbage you're listening to? <laughs> and it was weird, though, because every lyric I, I could just sing right along. And that is very interesting because there's not a lot of stuff that you can just pull right up that easy but music seems to be one of those things that's just there yeah and it tends to be tied to an emotion or or, or a memory of sorts good or bad yeah even the uh even the tune yeah of a song sometimes uh for whatever reason i'll be at work or or just doing <laughs> something not really thinking about anything and i'll start humming the theme song for rockford files if you told me to hum the theme song for Rockford Files right now, I couldn't do it. It's like it's it's in there somewhere, yeah. bouncing around, and every once in a while, it it finds its <laughs> mouth. Weird. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, music is cool like that. You know that that album, that uh, Lincoln Park album. Uh, we used to listen to that for some reason. Uh, we used to go to the falls a lot uh, in the summer with the kid when the kids were at home. Mm-hmm. Falls, and uh, we would li- for whatever reason we started listening to that album on the way up there. I guess it's about an hour drive, so uh, we just listened to the whole thing. And I mean, the, me and the kids out, windows down, <laughs> stereo cranked, just screaming the words of that song. Yeah, great album. It is crazy when you think, you know, knowing what happened to old Chester. Is that his name, Chester? Yeah, um, Chester. You know, you listen to the lyrics of that first album. There was a whole lot of uh, uh, sorrow in that guy. Yeah. That, yep. And I wonder, you know, because it's music. Oh, it's neat. He's expressing himself in music. I wonder how easy it is for us as, as humans to say, oh, they're just working that out in music. But when in reality, I mean, it, it's so bad. It gets so bad that you end up taking your life. I mean, is that is that something? Do we need to use music as an indicator and actually check in on people based on what they're saying in their song? Uh, you know, maybe we should, but uh, I don't think we ever will. I mean, I think that uh, a lot of times when you look into uh, even comedians and actors and a lot of people that are really uh, revolutionary in what they do, uh, you'll find a dark, you know, secret in there that they're like trying to hide or trying to escape from. Mm-hmm. It's so dark that their their uh, willingness to try to get away from it is so strong that what they produce in front of the camera or in front of the microphone 
is entertaining and it's and it's got a lot of emotion to it so i think that that has a lot to do with it and then you and then you find out the truth and then you can look back like you say look back and mm-hmm. go oh yeah, yeah <laughs> all the signs guy, were there guy <laughs> was tore up yeah you know so we're just sick voyeurs then as humans <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that's why we like watching the fail army videos of people crashing and burning all the time. <laughs> Cause we're sick. <laughs> There's uh, a certain level of that kind of stuff that I can't watch. Oh, if people break stuff, I, I cannot watch people breaking things. I, I, I can't, I'll turn it off every time when, if their face hits the ground, I cannot, I can't watch that either. <laughs> oh, it's, it's gross. You ever watch Tosh point Oh, uh-huh. Usually the very first video he shows of somebody breaking their arm or something, I always just fast forward. <laughs> yep. <laughs> first thing. Like, no, I'm not yeah. going to watch it. Yeah. So who is your uh, biggest influence currently in the music world? In music, I'm kind of boring, you know. I don't... <laughs> he's, I don't still, he's still deep in the Beatles. I love the Beatles. I don't listen to them as much as I used to. Um mm-hmm. Uh, just because I think I wore them out, you know, mm. if that's even possible. I don't think it's possible, but it's, but there's a lot of good music out there. And I've been listening to uh, the Heartbreakers, <laughs> Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. <laughs> that's my favorite music. Um, actually, I have uh, a few albums that just, that I just can't get enough of. Um Ozzy Osbourne's The Ultimate Sin. Love that album with Jakey Lee on guitar. Um, well, let me see. Music that's really... I haven't really heard any new music lately that really made me like, oh, wow, that's cool. But uh, Are you a purist? In what's uh, as far as like mus- musically, like do you want instruments being played or are you okay with uh, digital synth? Here's how I here's how I feel about that. If it, if if there's a tool, if there's a tool that makes that sound or an instrument that makes that sound, and you can take that and artistically add it to something mm-hmm. that you're creating then I say go for it. And if that sound is uh, totally digital um, and fake, then, but it's available, then, and you think you can use it artistically, then go ahead and do it. What I don't like is where the computer's making all the music for you. Oh, you just let the algorithm do its job. Right. As long as as long as people are taking taking it and using it using it artistically, I think it's it's great. I don't have a problem with it. I don't even have a problem with people, you know, quantizing and making everything lined up and making it perfect. You know, if they, if that's what they want to do, mm-hmm. if they like the way that sounds, then go for it. We don't do that, but um, I, and I've never done that so. Because I, I kind of feel there there is kind of a human element that gets lost. Yeah. And uh, when you make everything perfect, because we're not perfect, 
<laughs> and I think our ears and our minds actually prefer hearing, hearing things that are not perfect. So, um, but I don't mean that in any discouraging way to anyone. If you've got uh, something that you want to share and you just voice that anyway, use all the tools available and you <laughs> do it. Yeah. Just do it. Well, I mean, nowadays <laughs> you have this phone in your hand. I mean, it is so you have a device to get your message out to the world with you all the time. And so if yep. you have a thought now, here's the other, the, the political side of that. Um, it seems that you're not really allowed to voice any opinion. It's just the appropriate opinion is the one that's allowed to be voiced. And if you voice an opinion that isn't the approved opinion in quotes, uh, then uh, you get lambasted. What in the world? What do you think about musicians running politics? I don't like it. I don't like, uh, I don't like anything getting canceled. Mm. Uh, and I've said this for many years because you, you hear a lot of people say, why don't we just do away with that train of thought? Cause obviously that's bad. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you can't do away with any train of thought because <laughs> it's the train of thought that you have it, that it's important to you. It, that uh, that their, their train of thought is just as important to them. So in order for you to have yours freedom, mm -hmm. you have to allow them to have their freedom. And I think that's the trade-off that somewhere along the way, someone had forgot about. <laughs> in order for that guy to be free, I got to be, you know, <laughs> I, I got to be okay with it. Yeah. So he'll respect my freedom and, uh, you know, and it's okay to have a difference of opinion. But, uh, People aren't like that anymore. Now they want, it's either my way mm -hmm. or the highway. And I don't want, not only do I not believe in your opinion, but I, I'm not even going to listen to it because I think it's evil or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Basically, there's a lot of ideas and we all have to be allowed to have them. And in the, in America, one of the most beautiful things about America is we have to be free to voice them too. Isn't that the foundation of what freedom of speech is? The, the, the freedom to think out loud. Exactly. And when you think out loud, you actually have to have to say uncomfortable things in order to think through them and to work through them. Yeah. All right. I've got a few names I want to throw at you. Okay. <laughs> Just it's first, you know, your thought. What, what do you think of this person? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Uh, I like her attitude most of the time. Elton uh, John. Uh, I love Elton John's older music. None of his new stuff. Beyonce. Don't know. <laughs> I have no opinion whatsoever. <laughs> Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. I've heard a few of his songs that I like. Uh, I liked his uh, his role in that movie where he played himself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, the Rolling Stones. I guess that's I not love a person, the but 
I think uh, I think they should continue making music until they cannot do it anymore, which is probably getting pretty close. But uh, yeah, I love them. Eminem. Eminem, uh, I appreciate some of his music, some of the early stuff. Um, uh, I, I don't even know the name of any of his songs, but um, I like that. What's um, his name? Big hit. Huh? What's his name? Eminem. I don't know his name. Eminem. <laughs> Come on, that's his hit. My name is. <laughs> oh, my name is Slim Shady. His hit. That's it. Yes. Slim Shady. <clears throat> Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Um, I love Paul McCartney. Who's better, Paul McCartney or John Lennon? Oh, that's a that's a <laughs> tough. One. You know what I think? I think Paul McCartney makes music that you can get tired of. Ooh. And John Lennon makes music that lasts forever. Wow. That's, just, that's my opinion. Okay, break that down. Give me an example. Imagine. Okay. Isn't that just a stupid song, though? It's timeless. It is timeless, but it's it's a utopia that isn't... It's, it's music. Well, yeah, if you get hung up on the subject of the song... I'm just talking about the the, the musicality mm. of it, the melody. Mm-hmm. It's so sophisticated and brilliant uh, that it'll never get old. Band on the run mm. gets old. <laughs> silly, silly little love songs gets old. You know what but I'm saying? Is, is it lyrical content or is it musicality that keeps them alive? It might be the lyrics a little bit. Um, because thinking of Imagine, I mean, if it wasn't the anthem of the, the communist, it would, like, vocally, it would be, eh, it'd be a meh song, possibly, right? Or do you think the musicality of it would have some some lasting? I think the musicality has lasting, yeah. in my in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I don't really agree with the lyrics. And In fact, I rewrote uh, that song and, and used to perform it. Really? Uh, completely different message. Um, See, sorry. what we should have really planned for in this show is you actually busting out your guitar and playing something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Paul McCartney's great. Uh, he wrote some fantastic music back in the day uh i buy every one of his new albums when they come out and just for I, posterity and i hate every one of them <laughs> but you're paying him good work <laughs> yeah but i buy them adam you levine know, i'm a fan uh but uh yeah hey jude mm. crazy good yesterday Oh my god! Yesterday is just like a, that's one of those timeless songs too. Yeah. And uh, Adam Levine. You know what's great? Paul McCartney would write this really, you know, bubblegum, happy-go-lucky <laughs> sounding song, and then uh, he would give it to John. And this is what I've heard before. I don't know this for sure, but I, this is what I've heard. And John would say that's pretty great but let's do this and he would add some sort of a little bridge or he'd add a you know some kind of minor chord or a seventh mm-hmm. to a, 
particular part of the song to make it just a little bit more less friendly, you know, <laughs> give it a little bit of tension. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I think that's why they were such, they were so great together because mm. Paul could write the super radio friendly, happy go lucky love song. And John would say, well, let's, let's ugly that up a little bit <laughs> and, and make it uh, last longer. Yeah. That made a good contrast. Huh? All right, Bruno Mars. Have no idea. Celine Dion. Uh, she can sing. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> uh, Fleetwood Mac as a group. Fleetwood Mac uh, was pretty awesome. Uh, Rumor, Rumors is one of the greatest albums of all time. Hmm. So. Um, Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh. You know, I went and saw Joe Walsh uh, open up for Bob Seger. Really? A couple, a couple years ago at the Moda Center. And uh, he came out and he did his six hits. <laughs> and uh, they were fantastic. And those songs, um, Life's Been Good to Me, uh, We'll Never Get Old, Rocky Mountain Way. Those are just great songs, and whenever they come on, you got to turn it up. <laughs> and Bob Seger was great too. Fantastic. Um, uh, oh, brother! It's right on the top of my head. Um, oh, jeez! <clears throat> I'll think of it. Uh, Garth Brooks. I appreciate uh, Garth Brooks's music. <laughs> uh, He's uh, you know what he <laughs> did. Is, he, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what he did during the uh, the grunge era, is he he took the big '80s rock show. Oh yeah. Stole, and stole it. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was wearing the grungy clothes and putting on the low-fi shows, and he said, "Hey, can I have those lights and those big speakers?" And, <laughs> that cool stuff and the long hair and the spandex and (laughs) (laughs) And of course he didn't come up with all that stuff but it was a big rock show Mm -hmm. his shows were gigantic big rock shows just like the big hair groups of the 80s were putting on and uh, he just basically stole that from him and uh and uh good for him woodstock woodstock i mean it's not a person but It, it's an idea. Woodstock is an ideology. I love, I love Woodstock. I love the imagery and the legend of Woodstock better than the actual Woodstock. <laughs> right. You know yep. Yep. Kind of like that movie, The Doors. I love The Doors. <laughs> the their music and everything, but the movie was like this huge celebrated um picture of something that was probably not uh, the movie was was way better than real life mm-hmm. and uh and i think i think woodstock's like that too i think if we were the the movie is way better than actually being there <laughs> the, the beastie legend. boys the beach boys no the beastie boys oh we'll go there too but the beastie boys first 
Beastie Boys. I love their first album. Why? Uh, I, I Why? To the whole, I, I like it. I like the attitude uh, of the guys, and I like a lot of the lyrics are fun to uh, sing. Um, I, I, I used to know all the lyrics to Paul Revere, and I just... I just love putting it on and singing along with it. Jay Z. Jay Z. I have no. I have no. <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> All right, the Beach Boys. <laughs> the Beach Boys. I love what the Beach Boys did, and uh, I uh, bought Pet Sounds uh, recently. I mean, it's been in the last few years I bought Pet Sounds because I kept hearing that uh, Pet Sounds was the Beastie Boys' Sergeant Pepper. Mm. And so I bought it, and uh, it isn't even close. <laughs> <laughs> Some marketer got a hold of it, right? <laughs> uh, but I appreciate what they did, and they had some really good songs, some timeless songs that will never get old, too. Leonard Skinner. Leonard Skinnerd. I like their two hits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ZZ Top. Uh, ZZ Top. You know what? I, what's great about them is there's three guys that could make a ton of music. Like how in the world? <laughs> See those three guys up there, and you hear this giant wall mm -hmm. of sound, and. Uh, and I like the way they stuck with the bluesy rock. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Well, and aren't they the uh, the band that has been together the longest of any band, I think, with the original guys? I think it's 50 uh, years. <clears throat> I've never heard that. Uh, if you have a chance, their new documentary on Netflix is pretty fascinating. Okay, I'll check that out. Um. Oh, Metallica. Metallica. I loved, I love Master of Puppets. I love the whole album. It's fantastic. And then I like that one song, Inner Sandman. <laughs> the one song, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know about oh, nice. them. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy the album uh, with the fist on it. Like, yeah, I think is that uh, that's not Metal Ink or something, is it? I don't know. See, I really don't know. I've seen. Really it. I saw a, them once, but just to real, see it. Hmm? it. Had a real tiny snare drum in it. Oh, was that was it? Garage Ink. Was Maybe. that the one where they just had a microphone in the garage as they were beating away on stuff? Oh no, Saint Anger. Ah. Saint Anger was the okay. album. Yeah. That, well, that was the only other uh, Metallica album I ever bought, and I couldn't stand the snare drum. <laughs> it's like they, it's like they put the microphone right on the rim, and just got that really pingy ping ping ping. And uh, I made it through, made it like halfway through one song, and I turned it off. <laughs> That's always a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> My music is so good, people don't listen to it. <laughs> I did. I've followed their front of house guy for a long time. Old Mick. I think that's what they call him. Um, yeah. 
And he, just because I, as from the sound engineer side of things, I'm fascinated with what they do because they're so big and their big arena shows are massive. So they came to yep. Grand Forks, North Dakota, oh, two years ago, I think, 2018. <clears throat> and so I thought, I'm never going to do it again, but I want to go see them. So I went up there. You know, they got millions of dollars worth of AV, just gobs and gobs of speakers um, in an arena. Miserable sound. Horrible. And, I mean, knowing what they, I mean, the rig they have is phenomenal. It looked cool. I mean, their their production was cool, but, man, it did not sound good at all. And it was unfortunate because it was not cheap, but I don't know. They played two, geez, two and a half hours, though. It was just them. And that was pretty cool. And they just played and played and played. Yeah, that's cool. But it was it was disappointing. The the tech side of it was disappointing, but it was just fun to be in the room. Yeah. I like a band who can do that. Yeah. I know I've seen Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers uh, three different times. And uh, they always had an opener, but they didn't need one. Mm-hmm. They could have just played and played and played and played, and everyone in the audience knew the words to every song. You know, <laughs> so many good songs. Bruce Springsteen. Uh, not a real big fan of Bruce. Uh, I like I like uh, a couple of his songs, um, but that's not all I can say about that. You too. You too. Mm-hmm. Like you too. Uh, I love uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday. <laughs> we, the original? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Bloody Sunday. <laughs> I love that. Because the first time I heard that song, it was a cover by, uh, I think POD covered it actually, and that was my oh. first. That's the first time I'd heard it. So then when I heard U 2s version, I was like, ah, this is lame. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's heard the POD one. Yeah, I like the original. I like the music video. It was filmed at Red Rocks. Ooh. And uh, it was raining. And I remember that uh, the guitar player was standing out there. What's his name? Edge. And he was just looking up into the rain and playing that riff and stomping with both of his feet. And you could see the water coming <laughs> off the stage. It was pretty cool. Let's go dig it up. <clears throat> Uh, all right, let's get to uh, current day today with you. Uh, you and uh, your former drummer, who is back your drummer, maybe, yes? Uh, Keddy, yeah. he calls himself the Kedman. Blumenthal. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you've started a YouTube show called Unity Gain. Uh, what What is it? The Unity Gain show mm. is a show... Uh, where we took the idea that someone else had and we turned it... Made it better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's going to be better, but but it's definitely different. Um, We didn't steal an idea. We just thought... uh, Well, uh, you ever watch Rick Beato, Everything Music? No. Rick Beato's got a show called Everything Music. He's got a series called What Makes That Song Great. Ooh. And, uh, and he's a, uh, he's a music theory, like professor. So mm-hmm. he, he's like super smart about music and he can, 
basically he'll take a simple nirvana song and he'll break it down and show you just exactly how cool that song is so uh we we watched that we didn't Keddy and i didn't even know we were both watching it <laughs> really yeah and uh until we he goes hey you ever watch this show i said yeah all the time so so we thought well what if we wrote songs like brand new songs and then every time we release a song we do a show about the song and basically do a what makes the song great about our own song oh that's cool and we'd go to the studio and we would solo the tracks and show everybody what kind of instruments and microphones we're using and all that kind of stuff and basically every time we release a song we'll have a 15 20 minute infomercial about why that song is cool <laughs> and why you need to download it you know and uh uh, so that was the idea, and then uh, we came up with the name Unity Gain, and we ended up calling it the Unity Gain Show. And uh, so, and now we've got several videos up. Probably, I think we got five or six videos up. Oh, who and, did uh, your artwork? Oh, the uh, the caricatures. Yeah. Uh, that was a guy. Um, Man, oh, I wish I could remember her because he's really good. Well, they uh, look fantastic. Yeah, it's like, jeez. I wish I could remember because it's so cool. Oh, you know what? I'm going to look at it because I want this guy to get recognition for his stuff. So is your goal once, once a week? Is that the plan? Yeah, we're going to try to do it. Um, Uh, once a week, every Monday, we're going to try to release a show every Monday. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, ordercaricatures.com. Order, O-R-D-E-R? Yep. Ordercaricatures.com. Well, I'll tell you what. When I saw them, uh, first off, I knew exactly who you guys were, and I thought, man, that's polished. <laughs> Someone that's a yeah. pro did those. <laughs> and then, then what went in my head is, man, did Jeff learn how to draw? Cause I don't think Teddy could do that. <laughs> so no, they're, it's fantastic. They look great. Yeah. That, um, uh, one guy we went through to, to get caricatures. He said he would do them, but all we could do is, is hang it on the wall. Like if oh, we wanted it was artwork for, yeah. If we wanted to put it on a t-shirt or if we wanted to, uh, put it on a coffee mug or something like that. It was a lot more money. Mm. It was, to license uh, it was different. Gotcha. By that, this guy, I, I asked him about that, and he just sent me a release right away for the same price. So, yeah, if you, if you want caricatures done, use this guy. He's he's really good. Well, I, uh, I other than I mean, I don't obviously know him, but the the work that I have seen him do with you guys is fantastic. Knowing who you are, uh, so that's very cool. <clears throat> ordercaricatures.com perfect we'll give them an extra plug <laughs> uh, all right back to the show the unity gain show um is that where, where's that at is it filmed at your studio his studio in the middle what's the deal there break it well, down we, for us give us a bts we film it everywhere uh i do some segments in my studio we do 
most of the segments at Katie's house because Katie's a bachelor. So he's, <laughs> he basically just turned his house into a recording st- or to a movie studio. You know, he's got the set his living room. His living room is literally the unity gain set. Really? So all we got to is show up and set up the cameras and we're ready to film. So, um, but, uh, the way this the show we want the show to work is we come in we introduce the show and then we'll tell us the name of the song that we're that we just wrote or that we that we're releasing and then we'll go to into a story and we want to tell you the story about what the song is about and a lot of times the story isn't even in the studio like i i did a song called lost in california mm-hmm. which i think is episode two and uh, I just used a bunch of footage from my trip to California and I did a voiceover and I told a story about what the song's about. So it goes uh, in and out of the studio and we just try to tell everything that we try to give you a bunch of information about the song that that episode is about. So when you get to the end of the episode, you might want to maybe go listen to it. Mm. Is it scripted? Some of it is, uh, and most of it's not. Do you, do you want it to be a scripted show, or do you want it to kind of flow off the cuff? We, uh, well, in a way, we want it to just flow off the cuff, but um, we've noticed that uh, we, we want it to move a little quicker sometimes, so... Um, I imagine that we'll get better at it, but uh, right now it's, we're still infancy. <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> as, as you do it, you should get better. <laughs> yeah. We sit around sometimes and we play uh, top five. You know, say what's your top five movies, and we sit around and play that just for practice. You know, mm. just so we used to talking to each other about mm-hmm. uh, useless information. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, that's called a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should record that and put that out as as uh, <laughs> your, your sub show. <laughs> uh, the Unity Gain Show on YouTube, do you have a website for that or is it just YouTube at the moment? Just YouTube. Are you yeah. going to make it a website? Uh, maybe if we need to, I guess, um, it's kind of hard. I kind of, I'm kind of frustrated on, on how hard it is to get it to, because a lot of people just don't even know it exists. Yeah. So, and if you, you know, post it on social media, social media has all these rules now that only a handful of people ever get to see your post. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's kind of hard to advertise. We just figured we'll just keep doing it. We don't have anything better to do, so uh, we'll just keep doing it and doing it. And maybe you know, if after a couple of years, people will start noticing. <laughs> well, that, that's how it is. You gotta <laughs> you gotta buy your way into the web at this point. I mean, YouTube is so saturated right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, I you know, because we we don't have any over the air or cable television at our house. We just have streaming stuff. 
And YouTube is one of those. And so, you know, there's... When you open the YouTube app on the TV at home, it's <laughs> about five stupid gamers that my kids like to watch. And then <laughs> it's uh, some food. There's a producer that, <laughs> that does lavish watches I like to watch. Um, and then there's a couple other things. And so, but the reality is that is the narrowest sliver of what YouTube is, is what yeah. I see. And I don't really venture outside of that much because why? I mean, it's, it, it's the thing that I'm interested in and I'll, you know, they're very good at keeping me in my little rabbit hole. You know, they, yep. Google does a great job of controlling what we want to see. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> That's pretty crazy how they can do that. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying if you think about it. It's funny how everything learns. Everything out there is learning what you like. Uh-huh. And, uh, in fact, I had a problem with that just recently because uh, I got a new TV. It's a smart TV. So um, we could watch YouTube. Uh, not YouTube, but um, Netflix fairly easy on there because it just hooks just up to in, yeah. built right in and so my wife was getting on there and she was watching uh, uh kitty shows for, for my for my for my grandson but she was watching them on my profile so <laughs> awesome <laughs> and i like getting on there and, and seeing what netflix has suggested for me to watch you know and all i now have it's all over the place you know, care bears and stuff. It's oh crazy. man, that's hilarious! Wow, <laughs> I gotta, gotta search forever to find something to watch. <laughs> um, <clears throat> are you uh, you still at the mill? You're still working uh, at the plywood, the the lumber company. Yeah, I work at um in the Upper Carlin building in a new machine they call the paring machine, and uh, kind of got into that when it first started and. I'll probably just, as long as it lasts, I'll probably just stay there until I retire. Till you die. <laughs> so what, what is that? First, yeah. <laughs> right. What What is the machine? What does it do? Uh, what it does is it um, it takes uh, the hardwood faces and backs and mm -hmm. it pairs them together in one load of or one unit of veneer. So um, when we send it up to the company, everything's perfectly counted out and. Uh, there's little room for mistakes. Is it all computerized? So you just had a control panel? I have to. It basically works by itself. It's all computerized. and and uh, But just like any time you're working with wood, uh, there's certain things that are just unpredictable. So you have to be there to... To fix uh, it. To dig out giant <laughs> plug-ups and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. But yeah, it's a good job. So uh, Jeff works where uh, for what used to be Roseburg Forest Products, and then went to Roseburg Lumber, and then is now just Roseburg <laughs> apparently. <Yeah. laughs> uh, the wild thing is, I, I I'm in South Dakota now. Uh, I worked at uh, a plant for that same company back out of high school, uh, and my dad worked there for thirty something years prior to that. So. Um, it's wild when around here I'll see piles of plywood that have the Roseburg stamp on them out here in the Midwest. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. Nice. But then, then I just bought, uh, some lumber for a, 
project I'm working on at home. And as I was <clears throat> prepping it to cut it into the pieces I need, there's stickers on it. And it's a big box, you know, home improvement kind of store, kind of a Lowe's Home, uh, home Depot product. Um, right. And on there, this wood, it's pine. One by sixes, one by fours, whatever. It's pine for crying out loud. Um, it says made in New Zealand. <laughs> are you kidding me? They are shipping over lumber, dimensional lumber from New Zealand to America, to the middle of America. Yeah. It's in, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, Canada. Okay. Yeah. I'll say yes. New Zealand. And then there's a piece of plywood I had made in China. We're shipping yeah. plywood now from China. <laughs> oh yeah. That's insane. Whatever we make, they're making it too. And trying to undersell us. So uh, over the years, you've been there, geez, how long have you worked for that company? All, most of your adult life? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, it was 1999 when I started there. Wow. Okay, so I, I didn't know you then. So it, it would have been, we met, must have, we, we must have met in 2000. Yeah. Because I don't, well, well, no, no, no. Where did you work before that? You worked at the one out on 99. I worked at Sun Studs. Okay, I knew you there. Never mind. So yeah, we met yeah, in the yeah. late nineties. Yep. Because okay. is that where you and and um, that's where that's you and you... and Steve knew was at yeah. Sun Studs. Gotcha. Okay. All yeah. right. Now the pieces are back together. Perfect. <laughs> and that's the show. <laughs> so, uh, um, so new music you're doing now? Is it just the the Unity Gain product that you and Ketty are working on, or you do you have other stuff in the fire? Uh, I actually just released an album last year called Stylus and it's, it's under Jeff E. Reed, Jeff E. Reed Stylus on the Spotify. I, yeah. I got, th I, got I think I got three or four albums out anyways. Um, so Ketty approached me and started talking about this idea of making some new music and I had literally just released that album. I mean, I was spent, I spent a whole year putting that together and it turned out really well, but all my creative juices were, uh, diminished. <laughs> if we're going to do anything new, yeah, you're going to have to start, uh, throwing some stuff at me because I am out. <laughs> at the point. So, and so, he did. He started throwing ideas at me, and then uh, all of a sudden, I started uh, coming up with some new ideas. So, um, it's it's working. It's working out really well. It's uh, but everything that I make now, probably until this, until we give up, is going to be under the Unity Gain okay. show. The Unity Gain Show on YouTube, for those interested. Uh, go check it out. Uh, Jeff E. Reed on Spotify. Uh, Facing the Crowd on Reverb Nation. Do you have stuff on Reverb Nation also, like your solo work? Yeah, yeah I have a bunch of stuff on there, too, under Jeff E. Reed. And not Jeffy. It's not Jeff, Jeff E. Reed. E. Reed. <laughs> well, Jeff, this has been... <laughs> <laughs> this has been a blast. It's been fun to reconnect. It's been, oh man, I moved out here 
uh, 12 and a half years ago. I know we've talked since then, um, but not very much. So yeah, we used to play all the time together at church. That was a blast. And when facing the crowd was on the road, <laughs> well, never and by on the road. I mean, at the church across town or at the, the armory. Yeah. <laughs> we were playing. Absolutely. Playing it was a blast. Um, it's fun times. Yes. And now you're fun. a grandpa, old. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. I, uh, I found an old, I found a really old, like digital recorder that I got. Man, it must have been early 2000s. Um, oh, wow. And the battery was dead, so I put new batteries in it. And there's like, I don't know, 15 or 20 little recordings on it. Well, as I was digging through most of it's garbage, and I think it was, so this would have been, cell phones were a thing, but they certainly weren't even remotely. This was like probably 2000. Um, it's when we went up and saw Lincoln Park okay. in, in Portland. I think that was at the Rose Garden at the time, I think. It was Lincoln Park, um, POD. I think Lincoln Park was the headliner, and there was one other band that we we knew anyway. And and so on there at some point, there's a clip of you and the group <laughs> of us talking about something, and so it was weird. It's like wow, I'm just transported 20 years ago, and <laughs> man, <laughs> through a little digital recorder that was horrible, absolutely horrible. It's cool to find stuff like that. It is kind of neat, yeah. And old, uh, we found, oh, geez. Um, my parents live out here now, too. And so we were digging through old um, videotapes of way back. And there yeah. were, there's one that we found that was um, a youth event that you guys headlined at, that we had at Garden Valley. And it's probably 15 or 20 minutes of, of facing the crowd video oh cool and it's very cool if i can digitize it i'll i'll get you a link to it because that would be it's really cool i mean quality is not the best in the world but it's just fun it's like the back in time oh one thing that i really wanted to talk about um do you recall when i started calling you bells on (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Because that's still, I still think of you as bells on. For some reason, I adopted uh, saying the phrase, I'll be there with bells on. Yep. <laughs> and then somewhere along the way, I don't know if it was you, but uh, someone had said, but who's bells on? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and you just started calling me bells on. Yeah. yeah. And then one time, uh, there was a period of time where we would... Um, get pizza and watch movies at your house in green. Yeah. yeah. For ah, man, we were dumb. What in the world were we thinking back then? <laughs> it was, at least it was better than hanging out at Denny's, but, um, yeah. but in that we, there were a couple times we got together and wrote some music. Yep. And we called it the bells on five. <laughs> And I found that the other day. I drug out an old hard drive from way back and I was digging through the music on there. And in there, there was two bells on five um, uh, tracks or or albums. Really? Yeah. um, Let me see if I can. uh, 
Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Oh yes, on it. yes. And today, before prepping for this show, I I uh, <laughs> I just had it on and I saw that, which cracks me up because I now have I've got four kids and the youngest is about twenty months old, and he will sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. And so I, I'm not quite sure when I can introduce him to the Bells on Five version of that, but. <laughs> listen to uh, a Bells on Five uh, CD that I have uh, just the other day, actually, and uh, it was pretty fun. It had uh, that song, a crazy song that Andy Cameron wrote about, it, and we just used like a, a scripture. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> it's crazy, though. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> You're just yelling. It's a, it's yeah. a psalm, isn't it? I think. Yeah, the thumb, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to that Bells on CD. That was the song that jumped out at me. I was like, "Wow, I'm, I can't remember that song being that cool." <laughs> well, and then the the stupid Pocket Ninja song that Old Lofton wrote, right? <laughs> and, then, and then 
and he does his yelling and screaming in it. <laughs> oh my. It's amazing how much of my young adult life is just all that group of people that we were in. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what I remember about that group? And, and I shouldn't even have been part of it because I was way older than you. You are the old guy, right? But see, you had the house, you had the studio. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I remember when I first started going to that the Garden Valley Church, uh, all you all you guys seemed a little starstruck that I that I was there. Yeah, and local I, celebrity. Hello. Like I was I was a rock star, and I remember thinking. Uh, Feeling kind of uh, uncomfortable about that, but then uh, at the same time thinking, these, I mean, I always wanted to be that mm-hmm. to people, but I didn't know that I was. Like, <laughs> and then I met you guys, and then you, and then you figure out who I am, and, and are so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. But I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> <laughs> the, my, my favorite song that we did of that time was. Oregon Sunshine. <clears throat> yes, that was great. Because it, it's it's clever. Like the the lyrics are clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's about rain. <laughs> yeah. It'd be more apt to say Seattle Sunshine, but <laughs> Oregon Sunshine worked. <laughs> I don't remember the where we got the impetus for that song. I don't either, but I remember recording it. I remember uh like I can smell the room. We were sitting in there in my, basically my bedroom. In green. <laughs> Your poor wife. She was a saint. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what time of the year it was, but it seemed like we were all, we all just kind of smelled like sweat. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're like back we, around to why music like, matters. Day, I, I can see it, but I remember recording that song and, uh, yeah, that was that was a good one. For some reason, that sticks in my memory. Hmm. So, do you any do you play live at all anymore? Are you doing any church playing or anything? Uh, no, I actually uh, teamed up with my um, uh, buddy from high school that we, we played with in Paradox. Right. Way back in the day, I teamed up with him. Uh, our friend of ours, Jason Hosteller, you know, mm-hmm. we mentioned before he died. And so in 06, so he, con- John, John Gertson contacted me right after that happened and said, we should record all those old songs we wrote and, uh, a tribute to Jason. So we did, we got together and we did a studio time and, and recorded all those old songs. And then. I had an album coming out called Reflection, and I don't. It's not available anymore. I don't know what happened to it, but I, I had a little record deal with this place out in Oklahoma, and uh, recorded an eight-song EP. And I was supposed to be out uh, promoting it. Anyway, at the same time, I recorded this album with John, and uh, so we started going around and playing. Uh, different places that were booking bands promoting both of those albums hmm. and i did that for i don't know eight years or so wow so 
that just came to an end last year or so. Yeah, because I think I've followed some of that on on uh, the face bag. <clears throat> what we call Facebook here. Uh, that's what I call it. Um, and you're like just the two of you, right? He was done drums and you did that. Uh, so did you track anything or you just didn't have any bass? Oh, uh, for the, for the live shows. Yeah. Uh, no. What I was doing is I played through a, uh, a polyphonic octave generator. Hmm. And so I would have, um, half of my guitar tone would go into the generator and it would basically detune it a whole step hmm. or a whole octave excuse okay. me and then uh and then i had the output went to a bass amp so i would let that cover the low end and i would just play and then i would uh i had a looper i had the uh just a little teeny looper and i would uh, step on it so i'd play a bass line on my guitar, which sounded like a bass coming out the bass speaker because of the octave mm. generator. And then I would hit my looper and just let that loop. And then I would play over the top of it. And that way we were, we were able to do guitar solos and things like that. So more examples of bass players being <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> oh no, no, no way. It, it was not a replacement for a bass player. Uh, you can't replace a bass player. Uh, but it was all we had, so yeah, you know, you do what you, you gotta have. do. Yep, that's cool. <clears throat> oh, uh, Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard. Yeah, the original. Yes. I like I like listening to uh, old country. Mm -hmm. uh, Johnny Cash not, stuff. Not, not a lot. <laughs> but I do like it when it comes on. One of my favorite, and it's probably not even that old, uh, country western songs is Amarillo by Morning by George Strait. Mm -hmm. Love that song. That's a great song. It tells a great story, and it uh, it covers all the country western subjects. <laughs> but it's you know what I hate. You know what I hate about country music nowadays. It's, is the the list songs what do you mean songs that are just a giant list of things oh so it's like i like my cowboy boots i like my hat i like my jeans i like my belt buckle i like the my truck and the big mud tires and and uh <laughs> so so what you just demonstrated is you could actually sing country music <laughs> Oh man! All right, one last uh, <clears throat> songwriter, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, all along the Watchtower. One of my favorite Jimi Hendrix songs is a Bob Dylan song. So I did not know that. Love, love Bob Dylan. Uh, I like some of the stuff that he did by himself, but most of the time I like the stuff that are cover the covers mm. of his stuff. And uh, if you don't know. Tom Petty is kind of a Bob Dylan-esque sounding singer. Yeah. I think he kind of mimics Bob Dylan's style a little bit, only it's... Um, better? Yeah, he's a better, <laughs> he's a better singer than Bob Dylan. Uh, and so, yeah, I appreciate Bob Dylan's music, and I 
I love his lyrics. Jeff E. Reed on Spotify, the Unity Gain Show on the YouTube, uh, Reverb Nation. You can find uh, Jeff E. Reed. You can find Face in the Crowd. Uh, but look for the face in the crowd that is from Myrtle Creek, Oregon. Yes. That's the, uh, the correct version. Um, <laughs> thanks a lot for taking the time, man. It's been an hour and a half just about. Wow. <clears throat> wow. Thank you. This is good. Uh, let's do it again. It'll be fun. Yeah, totally. And then we should, uh, we should get well, something with you. old the kid man too. Yeah. Kill you know. That'd be fun. Yeah. Sweet. Well, um, Thanks for sitting down with us. Sitting down. It's just you're sitting down. Next time we'll get a real microphone. How about that? <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll make sure to be all set up next time. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks a lot. This is the Y Mil- oh, brother. This is the Y Music Podcast on the Y Millbank Podcast Network in Millbank, South Dakota. Ymillbank.com is the website. You can go to the podcast button on there and find all the shows that uh, that originate out of the studio. Um if you have any questions, ymillbank at gmail.com is the interweb uh, email address. Uh, don't forget to go subscribe to the Unity Gain Show on YouTube. Thanks a lot, Jeff. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Greg. It's been good. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. It rains day in the park. Better the grass you got all wet Grass stains on my butt Look like a chia pet Went swimming today in Oregon sunshine I feel it dripping off my face I took a swim in Oregon sunshine I seem to dig this groovy place Everything smells so clean Soaking water all the time This side of things Everything is green Whistling today in Oregon sunshine I feel it dripping off my face I took a swim in Oregon sunshine I super dig this groovy place